0: If you're enjoying this MedPrep2Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medprep and find our new subscription podcast called MedPrep2Go Step 1 Bundle. Hi, I'm Dr. Raj, quadruple board certified doctor in pulmonary, critical care, sleep medicine, and my favorite internal medicine. And I've been teaching USMLE steps one, two, and three for the last 20 years. I teach I am board exams as well as subspecialty boards. My brand is beyond the pearls. I got my own book series. But today, the most important thing is this podcast teaming up with the amazing Dr. Ted O'Connell to bring you med prep to go. And today, I'll be reviewing three more questions. Today's theme is going to be pathology. And if you like this podcast, which I hope you do, you can get more questions at our website, www.medpreptogo.com. Once again, this is a free audio and online question bank. And if you want to learn more about me, I have my own website, beyondthepearls.net. You can check out my book series published by Elsevier. The main series is Morning Report beyond the pearls and you have my own podcast and you know what that name is beyond the pearls <laughs> but my personal podcast is also code i have two of them out there it's called the dr raj podcast and follow me on a bunch of social media stuff so today let's get going and talk about these pathology cases so let's do the first one this is a 31 year old man presents to the emergency department Complaining of recurrent, extremely severe headaches, he denies any other past medical history and states there is no family history of headaches. He reports that he researched headaches online and thinks he may have cluster headaches. Which of the descriptions are most consistent with a cluster headache? So I gotta tell you, this has to be classic step one here. I already have some buzzwords in my mind, so let's read the answer choices together. Is it A? extreme facial pain that is very brief and is often triggered by light touch to the face? Is it B, headache that is bilateral, dull, non-pulsating and a band-like shape distribution on the forehead and triggered by stress? Is it C, a headache that is preceded by aura and includes photophobia and phonophobia? Is it D, headache that's consistently relieved by non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or is it E, a headache that is unilateral, recurs multiple times per day for stretches of weeks, and I'm going to say this, even months, and wakes up the patient sometimes at night from sleep? Well, the answer is going to be it's going to be E for sure. That was the classic example there. So, headache that is unilateral, reoccurs multiple times per day for a stretch for weeks, and I even said you know up to a month sometimes, and wakes the patient up from sleep it can uh, is classic for cluster headaches. Cluster headaches are often unilateral, reoccur multiple times during the day for durations of a few weeks, extremely painful, can wake up from sleep, and is more common in men than women. Oxygen therapy is the hallmark of treatment. Triptans, such as sumitriptan, are also effective in treating cluster headaches. Answer A describes classic trigeminal neuralgia. Answer B describes a tension headache. C describes a migraine headache. And answer D is nonspecific because non can abort tension and migraine headaches also. So what is the learning point here? Cluster headaches are often unilateral, recur multiple times per day for several weeks up to a month at a time, and may wake the patient from sleep. Let's do another one. Oh, this one's a young, this is an 11 year old boy presents to the physician's office with difficulty breathing through his right nostril for several months and a three week history of recurrent severe nosebleeds on the same side. The patient denies any recent trauma. His parents have given him nasal decongestants and allergy medications with no relief. There is no personal or family history of serious illness. His temperature is a febrile at 98.6 Fahrenheit. Pulse is 90, respirations are 20, blood pressure is 110 over 80. On physical exam of the nose, uh, it reveals septal deviation to the left and a pink, ooh, lobulated mass in the right nasal cavity that is actively bleeding. Uh, The remainder of the exam shows no abnormalities, which of the following is the most likely diagnosis. Is this gonna be A, an A B malformation? Is this gonna be B, a foreign body? Is it C, Juvenile Nasopharyngeal Angiofibroma, D a Nasal Hematoma, E, Nasal Steroid Overuse? So the answer is C, Juvenile Nasopharyngeal Angiofibroma, otherwise known as JNA, typically presents with difficulty breathing through the nose and epitaxis, though rhinorrhea may also occur. More advanced cases may present with headache, blindness, hearing problems, or speech problems. It is seen as a large, friable pink nasal mass that often causes obstruction of the nasal passages and septal deviation. These tumors are benign but are often rapidly expanding, invasive, and tend to bleed very easily. They are found exclusively in males and most typically occur between the ages of 10 and 20. Diagnosis is confirmed with a CT scan or MRI showing a nasal mass, Arising from the roof of the nasal pharynx, local involvement of the nasal cavity and paranasal sinuses may be extensive, with occasional invasion of the skull base. The other answer choices may cause epitaxis, but the history and examination findings are most consistent with juvenile nasopharyngeal angiofibroma. So, what are learning points here? Juvenile nasopharyngeal angiofibroma typically presents with nasal obstruction and epitaxis and is seen as a pink tribal nasal mass on physical exam. These tumors are benign, but local involvement as well as invasion of other structures can be seen. So let's do one more. We have a seven-year-old boy is brought into the clinic by his parents who are concerned about his academic performance. They state he is occasionally in trouble for not paying attention in class and has received numerous detentions for being, quote, off-task, end quote. The patients say he's generally well-behaved at home, although he does sometimes take a long time to complete his homework assignments because he's very meticulous and checks his work multiple times to make sure it is correct. Birth history and past medical history are unremarkable. During the office visit, the patient is well-behaved in the exam room and sits in the corner coloring. Occasionally, he stares into space for eight to 10 seconds, making a slight smacking motion with his lips. Which of the following would be the best treatment for the condition that is most likely affecting this patient? Is it A. Carbamazepine, B. Clonidine, C. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, D. Ethosoxamide, E. Methylphenidate, Ritalin. I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be Ritalin. The correct answer is D. Ethosoxamide. And this is a a classic question on your USMLE Step 1. The vignette describes the classic findings, <laughs> of a- absence seizures, which generally last less than 10 seconds. involve staring spells and can include rhythmic movements such as smacking of the lips. Ethosuximide is the first-line treatment for absence seizures. Vagproic acid is another common treatment that is generally second-line, and absence seizures and ADHD are often confused. However, this patient does not show any signs of hyperactivity and no signs of inattentive other than the staring spells. Additionally, is only experiencing difficulties in one setting, school. It would need to be experiencing problems in at least two settings to be diagnosed with ADHD. That's a really great point. Answer choice A, carbamazepine, is useful, antileptic, but is not successful in treating absent seizures. Choice B, clonidine, is an appropriate treatment for Tourette's syndrome. Although the patient is exhibiting some tick-like movements, it does not meet the criteria for Tourette syndrome, as this requires two or more motor tics and at least one vocal tic. Choice C, cognitive behavioral therapy, is helpful in treating obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD. Although this patient is meticulous about his homework, this is not enough to suggest a diagnosis of OCD. Choice E, methylphenidate, would be appropriate for ADHD. Absence, seizures, and ADHD, as mentioned earlier, are often confused. However, this patient does not show any signs of hyperactivity and no other signs of inattentive other than the staring spells. Additionally, he is only experiencing difficulties in one setting, which in this video was school, and would need to be experiencing problems in at least two settings to be diagnosed with ADHD. So what is the learning point for this case? Ethosuximide is the first-line treatment for absent seizures. Valproic acid is another common treatment that is generally going to be second-line. So I hope everyone enjoyed the three questions today. These were all high yield questions for your boards, which I hope you do amazing on. If you enjoyed this and want to check more questions out, go to our website, which is www.medpreptogo.com.